Hi, this is Dr. Vita Bland, hypertension specialist and family medicine doctor. In support of National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, the CDC Division of Cancer Prevention and Control says we should focus our message on finding cancer early when it's easiest to treat. To that end, they recommend knowing your risk for breast cancer, know how you can lower your risk for breast cancer, know your family history, know when to get a breast cancer screening, and know where to get a breast cancer screening. We're talking breast cancer. Our guest today is Dr. Ashley Hawkins. Dr. Hawkins is the medical director for Solis in Greensboro, North Carolina. She is a radiologist. Dr. Hawkins, we thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. We're in the midst of Breast Cancer Awareness Month, but I guess breast cancer is something we need to be aware of all the time. Correct. Okay, so as we talk about this, could we first start off by getting a little history about mammograms, you know? Uh, how were they developed, you know, and how have they changed over the course of the years? Sure, sure. So. A mammogram is essentially um, an x-ray of the breasts, okay? So for those of you that maybe don't know what that is. So a mammogram is when we take um, four pictures, two of each breast, one from the top, one from the side. And this is how we screen for breast cancer, okay? And the mammograms originally started actually in Germany in 1913 um, by a surgeon that was using it over there. And then it kind of made its way to the U.S. in the 60s when some surgeons here started using it as a screening technique. And when they first started using it, um, they were sort of using the same technique that we use for the chest or for uh, looking for a broken, broken bone. They weren't using compression. So it wasn't really optimized for the breast. But over the next, you know, 20, 25 years, they sort of developed these techniques of let's use some compression so the breast doesn't, you know, roll around. Let's, you know, try a lower dose. Let's sort of optimize it for the breast. And then in the 80s and the 90s in the U.S. is really when it kind of hit mainstream and became widespread as a really great technique for screening for breast cancer. There were several clinical trials that came out about that time that showed women who were getting screened with mammography had a 30% reduction in mortality from breast cancer. So that's the time when it really, you know, took off. And back then we were using what we call film screens. So you may remember back in the old days when we had cameras that had film, you had to take the film out of the back of the camera and go get it developed. So that's how mammograms used to be as well, right? There'd be film and you'd have to get it developed right away. And then there'd be like this picture and they would bring it to us and we'd put it on a light box. Um, but then around the turn of the century, when we went quote unquote digital, right? So digital mammography is when we actually started using computers. We stopped using the film we would use the computers and then the images, you know, magically appeared on our monitor in our in our reading room. And so that was great technique. And then in 2013, which I guess is almost 10 years ago now. Wow. Um, that's when tomosynthesis was developed or came out widespread. And that's that's a, the a correct name. Most of us call it 3D mammography. So you or your friends may have heard of that. And, and what that did, that was kind of a game changer because um, before, remember, I said we just had the four images so this technique, we get the, still get the four images, but the machine is like an arc that goes over the breast. And what it does is it's taking multiple low radiation disc images. So it's almost like a little movie that we can scroll through, just like you would with a CT or an MRI. And why this was helpful, it's helpful for two reasons, um, or the advantages of it, I should say, are two. One is we can detect smaller cancers or more cancers in women with dense breasts in particular, and then we also don't call back as many people. So we, our recall rates were lower. 
And um, you might ask, well, why is that? Okay, so when we read a mammogram, it's it's basically gray and white. Okay, fat is white and the breast tissue, I mean, excuse me, fat is gray and the breast tissue is white. And so the breast cancers are also white. So women with what we call really dense breast, there's a lot of white breast tissue. And so it's harder to find a teeny tiny white cancer in a lot of white breast tissue. But with that tomosynthesis or that 3D, we can scroll through. And so it helps us see better through all of that white tissue in, in a woman with dense breasts. Does that make sense? It does. It does. That's one of the things a lot of women are concerned about, that they have dense breasts. Correct. And the thing about dense breast is, um, so there's four categories of dense breast tissue. We call them A, B, C, and D. So if you're A, it's really fatty. The mammogram is nice and gray. You can see things really well. If you're D, we call that extremely dense. Again, very, and that's only about 10% of the women have extremely dense breasts. That's very, you know, a lot of breast tissue, very dense. Now, that is not a fixed um, density, right? A lot of us, most of us have dense breast tissue when we're young, particularly if we're pregnant or we're nursing. But as we get older, and particularly as we get postmenopause or after menopause, the amount of breast tissue to fat, um, it, that changes. And so some of that breast tissue will become fatty tissue and kind of, involute. Um, and so your mammogram may get easier to read. You know, one year you may get that letter that says you have dense breast and then the next year you don't. And that, that may be why, you know, because the breast density does change over time. Okay. I guess that's, is that aging of the breast or, or, or what? Um, so aging of the breast, that's a good way of putting it. Um, also just, um, um, the, the breast tissue, as we get, you know, postmenopausal, we all have hormones, you know, the pituitary gland, thyroid gland is still in our ovaries are still producing a little bit of hormones, but not quite as much as when we were younger. Um, and so that breast tissue source sort of involutes. Yeah. It turns kind of into fatty tissue. Okay. The other thing that a lot of people are concerned about is the recommendations and they uh, tend to change. So what's your understanding as to when we are to start screening with mammograms? When are we to stop screening with mammograms? And how does your individual family history change the story of when your mammograms should be done? So that's a great question. And I think the um, thing to remember is there are a lot of different societies and each society may have different recommendations. And so for the societies that um, treat breast cancer and diagnose breast cancer, most of us are all in agreement. OK, and ours, our recommendations are pretty much uniform. And so we and that would be like the American Society of Breast Surgeons, American Society of Breast Imaging, you know, American Society of OBGYNs, those kind of groups um, in the oncology, cancer doctors. So we recommend starting your annual mammogram meeting, you get it once a year when you're 40 years old. And this is for the average risk woman, okay? So this is the run of the will woman um, that is not considered what we call high risk, which I'll get to in a minute. So for the average risk woman, you start screening mammograms when you're 40. And then we say you go until you aren't gonna, your life expectancy is five to 10 years. So if I have a really healthy, vibrant 75 year old patient, and I have a lot of those, right? I tell her, you're probably going to be living for at least another 15 years. So yes, you should still be getting your mammogram. Now, if I have a 90-year-old woman who's got lung cancer and kidney disease and heart disease and many, many other things, she may not make it another five to 10 years. So in her case, right, she probably doesn't need to be getting your mammogram anymore. So for the average woman, if you're going to be living another five to 10 years, keep getting it and start when you're 40. Now, what about those people that, like you said, have a family history or they're not average risk, okay? So there are several what we call risk assessment models. These are, you can Google these, you, they're little calculators, they ask different things. Um, 
to determine what a woman's lifetime risk of breast cancer is and if she considered high risk or not high risk, okay? And high risk is considered 20% or greater. And so these risk assessment models um, take into a fact uh, a bunch of considerations, right? Not just your family history, but who was it? Was it your aunt and she got it when she was 80? Well, that may not matter so much, but if it was your mom and she had it when she was 40, right? That's going to matter. So it's going to take in not only just your family history, but the type of family history, are there other cancers, ovarian cancer, pancreatic cancer? And then it's going to take into account things like, um, you know, your weight. Um, when did you have your first period? When did you have your first baby, right? If you didn't have a baby ever or your first baby was after your 30, that is a, a risk factor, right? So it's going to it's gonna take all these things and then it's going to, you know, compute this number. And we recommend that every woman kind of get that risk assessment done sometime between her late 20s to 30. Because if she does come back as high risk, then she probably should start her mammograms earlier. Okay. And that we usually recommend if you're high risk, you start when you're 30. Now, let's say a woman doesn't have access to a risk calculator or it's just too much trouble. Then a, a quick, easy rule of thumb is if you know you had a mom that had breast cancer, you would start your mammograms 10 years um, before her diagnosis or age 40. So whichever is kind of earlier, but never before 30. Okay. So let's say she had her breast cancer at 30 or 48, then her daughter might start breast screening mammography at 38. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Cause that's something a lot of people are kind of concerned about now, but when you start talking about, um, you know, screening breast uh, cancer, what's the difference between a screening mammogram and a diagnostic mammogram? So, a screening mammogram is done for women who are having no breast problems. So they don't feel a lump. They don't have any bloody nipple discharge. They're not having pain, no skin changes. It's just, I'm doing great. I'm just doing this to, you know, screen um, and make sure there's nothing there. And so the woman goes in. Um, she doesn't usually need a, a doctor's order. Your insurance will pay for it. In fact, they, they want to pay for it. They want you to get this every year. A lot of times women can just go online. And, and schedule themselves and you go in and you get your four images and then you leave um, and you don't get the results then. So then what happens is the doctor or the breast radiologist like myself, we will read these in the next, usually within 48 hours, now, unless we're waiting on your priors. Let's say, you know, they were done somewhere else, then it might be a week or so, but a couple of days, usually you'll get a letter, an email giving you your results. Okay. So that's a screening and a diagnostic mammogram is a little bit different. This is when you come in, you get your images, and then you wait while the doctor looks at them. And so the doctor's looking at them while you're still there because the radiologist may want extra images. They may want to do an ultrasound. They may want to do a breast exam. Um, and then you will get your results right then that day after the radiologist has looked at everything. Um, so that's the main difference. So, so when do you get these diagnostic mammograms is probably the next question, right? So most of the time, it's if you're having a problem. So a woman feels a lump. Um, she is having nipple discharge. She's got, you know, a focal pain right here. It really hurts. Um, skin changes, you know, nipple changes, things like that. Or the doctor feels a lump, right? It may not be the patient, but the doctor felt a lump when, when he or she was doing the breast exam. Those usually get a diagnostic mammogram. There are a few other situations. So if a woman had breast cancer, um, and it was treated usually for the two years after her breast cancer treatment, we will do a diagnostic mammogram as well. All righty. We talked about mammograms and you, you mentioned ultrasound. When is it appropriate that someone should think about doing an ultrasound instead of a mammogram? I think that really the only time to get an ultrasound instead of a mammogram is probably if you're a teenager or a woman in your early 20s and you feel a lump. 
Okay. If you're, that's really the only time I would ever start with an ultrasound. Okay. If you, um, if you're just asking about doing ultrasound instead of mammography or instead of a mammogram for screening, I would not recommend that. Um, ultrasound is more of a supplemental tool in the setting of screening. Okay. And the reason being that there are some things that we don't see well on ultrasound, for example, calcifications is there a little tiny, like they look like little tiny grains of sand and you just don't see those on ultrasound. And that can be one of the first signs of a certain type of breast cancer called DCIS. So if you're just getting ultrasound screening, you know, we may miss early types of breast cancer. The other thing with ultrasound screening is there can be um, a lot of false positives and things you have to follow or biopsy. So mammogram is still the mainstay, the gold standard for screening. So if a woman wants to get a screening ultrasound, I would, I would always, always say, I always couch it with, we'll do it in addition to mammogram, but not in lieu of, okay? And so who would be a good person to get a screening ultrasound, right? Might be the next thing you were thinking. Um, so yeah. remember I said high risk is considered 20%, like a woman has 20% lifetime risk. Well, the average, so just the average run of the woman is 13%. So what do you do? What do you do with those women that are in between, right? 14 to 20%. We call those intermediate risk or above average. So those women could could, could consider getting an, a screening ultrasound in addition to mammogram. The other case would be women that are intermediate risk and have dense breasts, right? Where the mammogram isn't going to, you know, be as sensitive for getting small cancers. They also could get a um, screening ultrasound in addition to the mammogram. We usually recommend they get their mammogram and then six months later, then get the screening breast ultrasound just so you're kind of getting screened every six months or imaged. But some places you do, you can do it in the same week. It doesn't really matter. But that is the population, that small little group where I would consider using ultrasound in addition to mammogram. Now, you mentioned that you really don't have to have a doctor's order to get a mammogram. And I think a lot of people don't realize that they don't need to have a order from their primary care or health care provider to get that. So could we talk a little bit about that and the fact that the insurance companies, as you said, they want you to get this stuff? <laughs> they do. So for a screening mammogram, the one where you're just getting it, um, you know, because you're just trying to screen for cancer, you're not having any problems. Yes, usually you do not need a, an order for that. Um, and that's because, you know, Breast cancer is much easy or it's treated much easier, right? If you catch it when it's early and small and you don't need to get chemotherapy, you don't need all this other stuff. It's not going anywhere else. And so if if we're going to find breast cancers, we want to find them when they're really tiny. And insurance companies feel the same way probably, right? They don't want you to be getting <laughs> a bad stage four breast cancer, right? They want you to get very easy, you know, tiny stage one breast cancer. So it's, you know, they also, I know a lot of insurance companies incentivize people for their screening tests, like getting their colonoscopy every 10 years, you know, getting your cholesterol. And I'm, I know my insurance, so I'm thinking a lot of other ones, like if you get your screening mammogram, they give you those little points, right? And it adds to your like little reward points. So, um, but yes, like I said, you don't need a, you don't need just an order from your doctor. Most people can schedule online with most practices nowadays. Now, if you're having a problem and um, sometimes and you need a diagnostic mammogram, sometimes you need an order from the doctor. And But most doctors, if you've seen them in the past year, or you have no problem with that. If you've never seen a doctor or you haven't seen them in five years, they may want to just, you know, touch base with you first. We're talking about people who have insurance. How about those who don't have insurance? That's a whole different ball of wax. It really, really is. I agree. Um 
So I know in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is where I work, um, there are several places where they'll do like a discounted self-pay rate. Um, and it's it's usually $99, which I know is still a lot of money, okay, for some people. I do recognize that. Um, but you can do that. I know that um, there are also some places um, that will can do screening, like days where the screening truck will come by and people can get their mammograms for free on those days. A lot of times it's in October this month, right, because it's breast cancer awareness, you know, mm-hmm. We have a 5K run in Greensboro where we raise money just for that, right? And then if you once you get your screening mammogram, you know, if something does show up that you need a biopsy of or, you know, treatment for something, there are programs in Greensboro for people that don't have insurance, that don't have um, enough um, financial means to pay for that, that will cover that for them. So I would, I would not worry about that. There are programs in place that can help. And primary thing is you taking care of your own health and getting screened and finding anything if there's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, if, if you really need, you know, you can probably find a um, some type of a program that can help you get it. But we, we really do want to encourage people to try to get it, start getting them done on a regular basis. There are guys who have issues with their breasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when when is it appropriate for us to send a guy to see you guys. I guess you don't see too many of them, but you know, when is when do should we be sending a guy to see you? So I we do see male patients, and we see them all ages. I've seen teenagers, men in their forties, and, and older. Men. I saw really. Um, and the most common situation in which um, we see male patients is they feel a lump. Okay, they feel a lump behind their nipple. And it's, it, they'll often say to me, um, it, it hurts, especially when I put my shirt on. My shirt brushes against my nipple and it hurts. And then I felt it and, and they feel the slump. And so most of the time, okay, this is a benign entity called gynecomastia, which is, just means a little bit of breast tissue in men. So all men have little breast buds that usually they don't feel. But in certain cases, if they take certain medicines or as they get over 50, that little tiny breast bud will grow a little bit and they'll get a little bit of breast tissue. And it, it it can be tender and they can feel it. Um, and so that's often the times how they come to us. We do usually start with a mammogram because it has a very classic appearance. You can tell that's what it is. I often like to feel it as well, make sure it's nice and soft and squishy. That's how it should be, right? You should be able to roll it around and between your fingers, you know, things that are hard and fixed and feel like rocks I, I, I don't like. Um, so that's usually when men get it. Now, they're Breast cancer does happen in men. It's about 1% of all breast cancers is, is, is in men. Most of them do not have a genetic mutation. It's just, you know, random like with women. Um, but for those men that do have genetic mutations, and so um, let's say their mom had uh, genetic testing and, and gave it to them, or they just know they have one. Um, the current recommendation actually is not for mammography for them, but to for breast exam and to do a breast exam starting when they're 35, to know what they're looking for, those hard little lumps that don't move. That's the current recommendation for them. But for the average man, if you feel a lump and it feels weird, let your doctor know and come get a mammogram. Okay. So the deal is this, do can a guy, you know, just call up and, you know, and, and get, you know, does he have to go and see his his uh, health care provider? That's a good question. I mean, there, he's probably going to have to just at least call the triage nurse there because, and let them know because that is going to be a diagnostic, right? He can't come in as a screening. That's going to be a diagnostic where we're going to want to lay hands on him and talk to him and, you know, maybe do an extra image or two. Okay. All right. I can hear them saying we're discriminating now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, you know, uh, what do you see coming down in the future? You know, 
um, you know, we've got the 3D now and all of that. And, you know, we're all excited about that because, you know, as you said, it gives us a chance to see better and make sure that we don't miss any, you know, breast cancers and things like that. And also talking about that, you know, some people really get upset about having to go back in every six months to uh, get a repeat examination. Could we talk a little bit about that and maybe help relieve some of their fears? Yes. I'm glad you brought that up because that was was, um, one thing I wanted to talk about. So let me let me start with just getting recalled. First, and then I'll go back to the six month thing. Um, so if you're getting, if you're starting getting your mammogram when you're 40 and you're going to go till you're say 85, right? That's 45 years. Odds are at some point you're going to get called back in. Okay. And my don't panic. Okay. Do not panic. Do not get anxious because the vast majority of people that get recalled, it's for, it's nothing. It's benign. It's tissue that's overlapping. It's a little small cyst. It's, it's nothing. So if you get recalled, if someone calls you and says, Hey, something different. Why don't you come back? First of all, don't don't be nervous. Don't be worried. Just remember, Dr. Hawkins said on that radio show, Dr. Bland, <laughs> it's probably nothing. OK, so number one, that's number one. Um, so for some women that get recalled the six month follow up. OK, there are very specific situations um, where we're like, OK, this isn't suspicious enough that it needs to be biopsied. But it isn't classically like, oh, something I can just let go. And, and we, it's a very narrow window of, of things that we will follow. You have to be 98% sure that it's not a cancer to follow it. And in that case, we usually follow things for two years. And we do a six-month, six-month, 12-month. So it's really only one extra exam when you think about it. It's that first six-month follow-up because you're going to come back in a second six months which you would have been, which would have been a year. So you would have been doing that anyway. So it's really only one extra exam. Um, and what we're doing in those situations usually is we're just trying to make sure something is staying stable, right? Because there's many, many benign things that occur in the breast that we see on mammograms. And as long as they don't change for two years, as long as they're stable, that's great. We can just ignore them. But it's when things are changing and things are different or they're new, that's when we don't we have to start really looking and saying, is this benign or is this something we need to biopsy? So if you're getting followed every six months, no, it's not going to be forever, right? It's just going to be that first year is going to feel like you're going every six months, but that's it. Okay. And um, another thing, most people who come up with breast cancer don't have a breast cancer history in their family. Is that right? That is absolutely right. And um, I wish that that is a message that we could get out more and more and more because I have so many patients that I, um, you know, unfortunately I have to tell them you have breast, this is a breast cancer. But And the first thing they'll say is, but I don't have any family history. Or if I tell them we need to buy something, they'll be like, I don't have a family history. And I'm like, I know it. It doesn't matter, right? 75% of women that have breast cancer had no family history. They were not high risk. They were just your run of the mill average woman who got breast cancer. So please, 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 don't let that lull you into thinking you don't need to get your mammogram. You don't need to. Like if you think, oh, I don't have a family history or I'm not high risk, that doesn't you still need to be getting your mammogram every year. And the other thing, I have a lot of women who are afraid of the discomfort mm. of getting a mammogram. And unfortunately, there are people out there who are spreading this, this, you know, poor information that it just hurts so bad, you know, which isn't true. You all have all kinds of new paddles that you can use and everything so that it's not such. Could we address that a little bit? Sure, sure. Um, I would definitely say, you know, I, I mean, I have to get my mammogram. And I, I mean, it's, it, it's I don't think it's I don't think it's painful. I, you know, it, it, it 
it's an odd sensation more than anything, right? Most women don't have their breasts squished, right? So that's an odd sensation, but I don't think it's painful. But there are some places that have something called a mammo pad, which you can put on that um, that little plate that, that your breast sits on to kind of help soften it. And there's also something called a curved paddle that's got a little bit of a curve to it. Now, the curved paddle is not good for all breasts, okay? So the technologist really needs to be, if the technologist tells you your breasts wouldn't be good for a curved paddle, they're not doing that to be mean. They're, they're doing it because they know that the image won't be as good of a quality and you might end up getting called back for a repeat to get a better picture. So trust them. They're, they know what they're talking about. They're very good at their job. Um, but they're also, you know, for some women that are really, really sensitive compression, you can tell the technologist. If you say, hey, I'm really sensitive com- compression. Can you go slow? And then if I tell you to stop, just stop, please. And, and try that. You know, there are many things that you can do. Technologists are, are great. They know how to make it more comfortable for you. Um, so I would not worry about pain. Okay, great. Okay, so, you know, we've seen all kinds of advancements, but what do you see coming down the future, you know? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. That was your question. You know, we're going to have like Spock, you know, just (laughs) (laughs) shine something at you. What's going on? So I think the two, there are two things I would say. I would say one, um, AI, right, artificial intelligence. There are so many fascinating studies and um, software companies that are doing studies looking at how um, artificial intelligence can help detect breast cancer earlier. And the the fascinating studies have shown that that these these this deep learning is what they call it, right? This AI can actually they see something that the human eye doesn't see. And whatever that is, we don't know yet, but they're able to say, this this image here, there's something suspicious in this area. You either need to keep following her closely or it might be something to follow up. And so so I think as we see more of that research get um, validated and published we can, these will become more mainstream. So I think AI is a really exciting um, in the pipeline. And then the other thing I think it's, is also in the future is something called contrast enhanced mammography, which actually has been around for a while. This is, it's just like your four images, your regular mammogram, but you get injected with contrast beforehand. And it, Previously, never really kind of took off because there wasn't the capability of biopsying anything if you saw anything abnormal on it. But that has been, uh, we now are able to do that. And so I think contrast enhanced mammography has become much more popular because as more studies are being published and several have come out now to show it's really good. Um, it's, it's similar to MR, right? So you can use it to detect extensive disease. If there's breast cancer, you can use it to detect um, response to chemotherapy. You can use it for high risk screening or intermediate risk screening. Um, and so I think that is going to be exciting. And women seem to like the contrast enhanced mammography better than MR, I think, because um, it's a shorter exam. You know, they're in a breast center, which you're a little bit more used to. Um, so I think that's also an exciting field in the future. Well, our guest today has been Dr. Ashley Hawkins, and she is the current medical director at Solis in Greensboro, North Carolina. We're down to our last couple of minutes, Dr. Hawkins. Uh, what are your pearls of wisdom you'd like to leave about breast health? Um Well, I think we covered a lot of them, so I'm really, really happy about that. One is, um, you know, most women that get breast cancer don't have a family history. They're not high risk, so be sure and get screened. Number two, um, breast cancer is curable when we detect it early, okay? So don't be scared. If you're going to, you know, you want to catch it early. Um, Number three, these are four things I'm going to go over that I never like and I want women, if any of these four things happen in your breast, I want you to call your doctor and go get seen, okay? So bloody nipple discharge, hard, fixed lumps. Think little rocks, little pebbles that don't move. 
um, nipple changes, the nipple pulls in or the skin starts to get kind of dimpled, funny and thick. Those four things are never normal. And I want you to call your doctor if you see those four. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us. You've given us a lot of information. We thank you and you have a fabulous day. Thanks for having me. Take care. It's a matter of your health. It's brought to you by the African-American Public Radio Consortium, NPR Distribution and the Public Radio Satellite System. Find It's a Matter of Your Health podcast wherever you get your podcast and make sure to visit our website at www.drblandradio.com for past episodes, blogs and more.